Ever since I was a child, people said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing had ever hurt us. I believed him. We all did. Morning. Pants tomorrow, please, David. Perry, I want you to join your brothers in the ring. Yes, sir. I love that. Now, we all know Carrie's my favorite, then Kev, then David, then Mike. But the rankings can always change. What do you want in life, Kevin Von Eric? More ribs. <laughs> I want to be with my family. You know, be with my brothers. What do you like to do with your brothers? Together, we can do anything. We're here to restore justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us. The hands that will deliver the iron clock to you. So what do you think? Like we're alive. I love your family, Kevin. Don't we, uncle? Yes, sir. Oh, man, that makes me so happy. I talked to you about something, Mom. Dad's too tough on us. You gotta say something. Baby, that's what your brother's for. Feel that? Ah. You feel that? Ah. That's pressure. I need to push you too hard. I'm fine, kid. Seriously, I'm just sick. I'm scared, man. You're all mad out of control. That's a terrible accident. I should have stopped him. I need to think about my family. Your job is to wrestle. Live up to that deal, or we are through. I just love being out there with you guys. It's the only thing that matters to me. The father will forever be the greatest family in the history of wrestling. new episode of palace off the top rope thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen and on deck for the new year happy new year 2024 folks it's been a hot minute since i've done an episode here but not that i haven't been podcasting i've been working really hard on the two minute drive podcast with jake ramirez and abraham trevino we just wrapped up episode 18 of that show uh the season finale of the nfl uh, playoffs are about to start, so it's about to get really, really interesting. So tune into that if you like football. Um, but on to this show. It's been a while. Um, and a lot of stuff has happened, uh, since I lasted an episode for the Palace Off the Top Rope show. Uh, the strike ended for the writers and the actors, so everyone is back to work now. Obviously during the holidays, there were still like breaks and stuff, so nothing really back into production, but we're, we're off and running. Um, but I, I think 2024 is going to look a little different than a lot of previous years, even the COVID year, because COVID, there was still like stuff coming out sporadically throughout, even if it wasn't like the big stuff, there was a lot of, um, movies regardless, but this time it was different because that strike affected everything. So there was a halt on all the movies, all the shows. So basically a lot of stuff has been pushed to 2025, at least the stuff that I want to see. 
So it's it's going to be a real interesting year, and I was pondering what I wanted to do with this podcast because I want to make it consistent going into 2024. But looking at the movie calendar, I mean, I can't even tell you the next movie that I'm really excited for. And I think it may be a while. It may not be coming until March, maybe April. Um, uh, we're not getting Mission Impossible, the second half of Dead Reckoning. You know, that's one of my most anticipated movies. Um, Cobra Kai would have been in its final season already. That one's barely about to film, so we probably won't see it until the later end of the year. The Bear also in production. So a lot of this stuff we're either going to see at the tail end or not until next year. And I thought, I need to keep in spirit with what this show actually is, what it's called, right? Palace Off the Top Rope. And one of the things that's been heating up in the last couple of years um, is pro wrestling. And I love to talk about, about that endlessly. I can do that for hours on end. And I thought that would be the best direction for this show moving forward. I can still sprinkle in, you know, movie reviews here and there whenever I catch something, but I think it's going to be a while because, like I said, this year is going to be so different and everything's going to be probably coming in in the later part of the year. So I don't want to leave this podcast like with months on end with no, with nothing to go. Um, and I know I say that having not released one since last October, but I've been doing the football podcast. So I, I have been doing shows, just not this one. But now with the football season coming to an end and the Super Bowl happening in February, all that time is going to need to be consumed with, with what am I going to do? What am I going to talk about? So I thought wrestling is the best way to go. And I'm going to even try to do two episodes a week where probably on Wednesdays, Wednesday evenings, I'll talk about what happened on Monday Night Raw from WWE and AEW on Dynamite. And then I'll probably do another episode maybe in Sunday evening which will recap SmackDown and uh, AEW Collision. So two on two. And then, of course, if there's pay-per-views or premium live events, special events, whatever you want to call them, um, I'll cover those as well. And not just to do it for the sake of doing it. I mean, I love wrestling. If there's anything I could talk about more than movies, it's wrestling. And it's what I'm good at. So I want to kind of put my focus on that. And there's just so much wrestling out there. And I'm not saying I'm going to try to cover every little thing. I want to cover the things that I like. Same thing with the movies. I want to cover the movies that I like, you know. And there's there, there's movies coming out this year early early in the on. You know, we got Mean Girls. We got uh, Night Swim coming out this weekend. Uh, or Night Swim. Mean Girls is next week. But, you know, those are movies where I may or may not get to them. You know, they're not on my list of must-see. Um, now, may I walk into some of these movies? My girls are interested in. They love the original Mean Girls movie. Maybe they want to see this new adaptation, and we can talk about that, or it may not happen, and then we'll just move on. And I, I want to keep stuff consistent on this show, so I think wrestling is the best way to move forward and just to continue to grow this podcast, and I want to make it as fun, uh, especially in the wrestling world, just fun conversation, and I want to bring in more people that, that can talk about that, because I can talk movies, but really wrestling is where I think the focus should be, and it's been such a bloom for it especially on wwe side they just ended the year with one of the most record breaking years as far as revenue goes for like tv house shows pay-per-view events like it was just unbelievable and it was all capped off with the return of of cm punk and then we'll get to raw later on with another big return but it's it's wrestling is on the cusp of like 
being like really I don't want to say as big as the Attitude Era, but it's getting back up there. Like if it's if it's not the Attitude Era, it's right below it. And in today's day and age where there's content everywhere, they're streaming everywhere and everything's trying to get your attention and the fact that wrestling has kind of popped back up into the mainstream makes this fan really really happy. And to kind of marinate and marry the two, there was a movie that was released at the end of December called The Iron Claw, which is the story of the Von Erich brothers, a legendary classic wrestling family. And I thought I would talk about this movie coming up later in the episode and kind of just to marry the two movies and wrestling. Those are like my two worlds colliding. So, And, and it did really well at the box office too. Um, at least at our theater, the shows were selling out consistently and they still are. Um, so that's good for the business but also just good for the world of wrestling as far as like people getting more eyes on it and being more aware to the actual world. Because, uh, you know, wrestling's kind of like its own little bubble and its own little, you know, environment. And I don't like to be a gatekeeper in any sense of the word. Like, I, I want to get people to watch wrestling. The more people I can get to watch, the better. Because I can talk about it nonstop. So I thought that would that would be kind of like the the transitional thing to do here was... I'll do like one of my final movie reviews for the time being with the Iron Claw and it being about wrestling. And then we're going to put our full focus or my full focus on wrestling. I think that's the best thing to do for this show um, and just to actually live up to the name of Palace Off the Top Rope, which is a wrestling reference anyway. But I'll still sprinkle in from now and then, uh, you know, if there's something pop cultural wise, movie wise, TV wise that I want to throw in there. I'll throw it into an episode, but I don't really, I don't think that's going to be the main focus anymore. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that, that'll be good. That'll be good for me. It'll keep me going. Uh, not to say that the movies don't keep me going, but like I said, everything that I laid out for you and as far as like how everything's going to play out in the calendar, it's going to be super interesting. And the fact that 2023 was also very telling of a lot of things that didn't work out. You know, a lot of the superhero movies failed. Um, yeah, they made, like, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp still made money. Um, Aquaman, which is still doing something at the theater a little bit, but not like the juggernauts that they have been in the past. So it was kind of a little bit of a wake-up call for the movie industry and the movie theaters. And me, me working in the industry, I saw what was doing well at the theaters. It was the Iron Claws, the Anyone But Use, the Ferraris, um, Napoleon's still doing well. Godzilla minus one, even though that's a kind of like big budgeted picture, but, or actually not big budgeted if you read all the stuff on it, but you know, kind of like the IP, like intellectual property, all the big franchises, all of that was kind of underwhelming. Wonka was the number one movie of the, of the Christmas season, but it's not like it did gigantic numbers, but it felt like people were flocking more to these smaller, you know, independent films, stuff that we don't get, you know, anyone but you. Uh, a romantic comedy, something that we just don't see anymore. And people are, were driving out in droves for that movie. I had to move it into a bigger auditorium because it was just the demand was there for it. So the audience was telling us something this year. But the thing, thing about it is that the, the movie studios are still looking into going all in on franchises and IPs and sequels and all that stuff. But it was very telling on what was, what was popular during the holidays for the films uh, up at the theater. So, and I don't know if that's going to be the way studios want to go because while yes, they were selling out, but they weren't bringing in the giant numbers because those were dominated by, 
you know, Aquaman and Wonka had the giant premium screen. So, of course, they're going to bring in more money. So it's kind of hard for these smaller movies to kind of get that billing. So, I, I, and again, I, I and again, this might be a year where you might see a lot of articles coming out about, you know, the death of the movie theater industry. And I don't believe it's in any danger. It's going to feel like it because of everything that got moved because of the strike. But I think we're in good hands. But it's just going to be a while. And I thought I would just give, give kind of like a, a state of address for this podcast. And I want to keep it going because I don't want it to disappear and not have anything going on. Especially, and I only say that because football season's coming to an end. And I want to devote my time to something and, and continue to put out uh, a product for you guys. Because I enjoy talking about it. Whether it's movies, wrestling, football, whatever. But wrestling is the constant right now. It's on 365 days a year. Um, so it's always going to be there and there's more coming along. There's just, there's so much goodwill and the state of the wrestling business is very, very good right now. And that's a good thing all around WWE and AEW. A lot of good stuff to say. There's negative stuff on both sides, but still, but for the most part, the business is ticking upwards and that makes for good podcast content. So Going forward, Palace Off the Top Rope will probably be more exclusive to wrestling. Again, I'll sprinkle in a movie review here and there. But we're going all in on wrestling. And that's that. So let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the Iron Claw. And then later on to cap off the show, I'm going to talk about the things I liked on Monday Night Raw from this past week. And AEW Dynamite. Both entering new eras and, of course, the new year. So stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. The challengers from Denton, Texas, weighing in at a combined weight of 690 pounds, Kevin, Kerry, and David Von Erich. Look at my beautiful brothers. The Von Erich are the greatest family in the history of wrestling. Welcome back to the show, and let's get to my movie review of The Iron Claw, written and directed by Sean Durkin. So I got to see this one on, I believe it was December 13th, so it was about like two, three weeks before it was out for like the national audience. And it was an early access screening, so it wasn't like, you know, you couldn't buy tickets to it. You definitely could. You could have seen it early. Um, super excited. This was definitely one of the movies that I was highly anticipated just because, you know, there's ever rarely movies made about wrestling and usually the stigma around wrestling is pretty negative. You know, I, I've gotten it for so long. I've, I've been made fun of, you know, you know, get told like, oh, it's fake or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's no different than any form of entertainment that you watch movies, television, even the reality shows that you think are real, the the Bachelor, the Real World, Road Rules, the Kardashians, Real Housewives, all of that, it, you can all trace it back to pro wrestling. It's all scripted, it's all entertainment, it's all melodramatic. The only difference is is that there's an athletic aspect to wrestling. So when people come at me and say that that part of it is fake, and sure you can like kind of fake like not punching someone super hard, but you can't fake falling down. You can't fake landing on your back. You can't fake like a shot from a steel chair to the back. 
And I know because I've, I've taken that in my life. That for sure I know I've taken. That hurts. So there's nothing fake about that. You want to talk about the the entertainment aspect of it, the the melodramatic stuff. Sure, scripted, fake, whatever, however you want to call it. But to say that any of the stuff that actually gets done in the ring is fake is it's naive. And until you've actually seen it, uh, or actually even experienced it, I've never experienced being in a ring. But I've followed wrestling almost all of my life, and I've seen the injuries that wrestlers have gotten. And there's no way any of that could be fake. So that's that. But anyways, I was super excited when I heard that this movie was originally announced. The Von Erics, um, definitely before my time, but being a historian that I like to go back and revisit all of the classic stuff, um, I'm currently doing that right now because I just, I, I just love wrestling so much I can go back and watch it. So I'll go back and revisit time periods. Um, the Von Erics mostly around like the seventies, Late 70s, 80s, and probably early, early 90s. Um, I went back and saw a lot of their stuff on the WWE Network. I think you can watch it on Peacock, too. They wrestled for an organization called World Class Championship Wrestling. Uh, Territorial-based, mostly in Texas. Another reason why I was excited about this movie, just to see a side of Texas wrestling, the Sportatorium. You know, my dad's told me about that and, and watching that as a kid, so... I knew of the Von Erichs as I was growing up, but didn't actually go back to watch any of their stuff. The most famous Von Erich brother that I knew of, only because that was the stuff that I was into and still super into, is anything related to the WWF, now known as World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE. Um, Kerry Von Erich was wrestled as the Texas Tornado in that organization, so I knew about him. But I didn't know much about the other brothers, Kevin Von Erich, David, you know, the rest. Uh but if you go back and watch the the World Class Championship Wrestling episodes, they're pretty pretty uh pretty fun television episodes, and you see air on ESPN. And again, I wasn't around or alive during that time, so I never saw it when it originally aired. But they were very popular. It was a very popular television show, and then of course super popular here in Texas. They were as big as I don't want to say the Beatles, but if you if you're if you're talking territories, like the Von Erichs were very well known. But unfortunately, that's not what's known about them and what lingers like throughout history. What's more associated with the Von Erichs is this tragedy that has bestowed this family for years and years and years. Um, and spoilers here, and the movie's been out a while, so they're warning for anybody listening that hasn't seen it. Sorry, I will be spoiling the film. So I know the story of the Von Erichs and, and what happened to a lot of the the brothers in this family, most of them. Uh, so I went into this movie with a real sense of dread because I knew what was coming. There's a lot of people that have seen this movie that don't know anything about the Von Erichs or, or what they were expecting for this movie, and they came out utterly gutted and devastated. So there there was two ways of watching, and I think I think from my point of view, it's kind of harder because you know it's coming as a fan, like you know the story, so. You're kind of watching with nervousness and how are they going to treat the story. And uh, as a movie, for what it is, it's entertaining. I like it. It was. It's well made. It's it's treated with a lot of respect. Um, obviously, this was a director that went into actually 
going deep into the wrestling mythos and, and everything and how, how it goes to put on a wrestling show and stuff like that. So all of that, the presentation, they even got like actual wrestlers for the choreography and stuff. I know they enlisted the help of Chavo Guerrero. That's the nephew to Eddie Guerrero, one of the most famous wrestlers ever. Um, so the, the hard work went into it. Uh, I also like the casting in this film. Uh, Zach Efron, Zach Efron plays Kevin Von Erich, uh, the only surviving living member of the Von Erich family as of now. Um, I hate to even use that word. Again, it's a, it's a very sensitive subject as far as like just the history of this family. There's just a lot of tragedy, unfortunately, and there's, you know, a lot of, uh, verbiage about like the Von Erich curse, the family curse, stuff like that. A lot of that lingers in this movie and is said a lot. Um, but what I also liked about this movie is that it, it, it it's a film about family and, and and brotherhood and loyalty and you know just trying to work hard and make your way in the world, but also like you know trying to exceed expectations from family members and stuff like that. But overall, it's it's a good family drama. But unfortunately, what lingers over it is is all the tragedy that unfolds and spoiling into it now a lot of. A lot of stuff that that happens here, it, it, it was real. Like the tragedies that they display in this movie, like that all happened, and it was even so bad that they omitted one of the brothers from the actual movie. Like he's not even in the story because they felt that too many tragedies, one after the other. other this was said by the director that it, the audience wouldn't be able to handle it, but it was true. Like it, it literally happened. So that's how crazy this story is, and it's very. It's a very by the numbers type of movie as far as like, you know, based on true stories. So you got the the brothers up and coming all with different types of personalities, but they all love each other and they're going through their routes and, you know, trying to work their way up the wrestling ranks. And then of course it, it, it the final half of the movie is just all the tragedies happening one after the other. Um so on that end, like as a movie, the way they did it here works. And I won't say this often, but I think this would have been better as a television show only because there's a lot of stuff that they really could have gotten into. And there's a lot of brothers, right? Like I said, they omitted, they omitted one completely and the other one died as a child. So they didn't really get into that one. So there's a lot of ground that they could have covered. And I'm not faulting the director for that because you don't want to make too long of a movie, right? Because then at the end of the day, like, you know, people don't want to spend all their time in the theater. So it's around a little over two hours, so for what for it as a movie, it works. And uh, it didn't make my top ten, but it's definitely one that I recommend. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, it still works as a family drama. There's a lot of really good performances. As I mentioned, Zac Efron is tremendous. This is probably his best effort, and I know he's more about, in the past, about his looks and his physicality and you know just the way he looks on screen. Like He has that movie star look. But underneath the surface, there's a couple of movies that Zac Efron has done. And I wish he would get more credit for it. Like, he does some good acting. And I think this is his best performance to date. Now, do I think it's going to get any Oscar nominations or anything like that? I don't see it. But it would be nice because I think he does a really good job here. And the other person in this movie uh, who actually plays Carrie Von Erich, the Von Erich that I knew the most, is played by Jeremy Allen White, who, who we all know as the bear, Carmi. Uh, he's really come up strong in these last couple of years. Um, obviously, he had his long run on Shameless, and that was a popular show for a while, but he has really broken out on the show The Bear. So seeing him here on the big screen, it's I love it, 
and I hope to see him in more film roles going forward. He was fantastic here as Kerry Von Erich. And again, as a movie, they packed in as much as they could. But had they went the route of like a television show, I think they could dive in a bit more because it, you know, Kerry Von Erich's run in, in WWF is mentioned, but I would have loved to have seen more and, you know, they could have gone into like, you know, what was going on behind the scenes in WWF and all that stuff. And even, and not just him, but the other brothers as well. There's like, there's a lot of stuff in here that they really could have deep dived into. And again, I'm not faulting it. You know, you have to make it work as a movie and for what they packed in. And I know it's a true story and some of the stuff is exaggerated. It works. Now the stuff I didn't like, and, and it's really just, because I'm a diehard wrestling fan. And this has been one of the ones that's been pointed out by a lot of the wrestling community. Is that Ric Flair is in this movie. And the person they casted to play him was kind of just like. Didn't do him justice. But I think in the end it's hard. Because Ric Flair is such an iconic over the top character. That I don't really think you could cast somebody to try to play that to like the utmost degree. Because if not it's going to take away from the movie it'll distract it'll feel like a different movie so i think for what they did it works but as a representation of that character and how he's portrayed it's not it's not justice like he needs his own movie uh, that you can make like a three-hour epic there's like tons of rick flair um stories and stuff that you can make into a movie so that that's really my only nitpick of it and uh, like i said it's not like a it doesn't break ground on like these true stories that have been told. Of course, we've seen movies about stories with tragedy and, and family hardships and all that stuff. Like it's, it's not new in any, in that sense of the word, but it's a well made film. And that's all I can ask for, right? Is that these movies get well made. Like this could have been a shitty, like not thought out movie, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. And I recommend it as a, as a, you know, go check it out on a Friday night or, if you're home and you want to wait for it to stream, then that's your prerogative as well. But uh, I think the audience has been telling us at the theater that they, they're really into this movie. It's It's been in high demand. And unfortunately, we don't have it in the biggest of theaters. So when it sells out, people are upset like, oh, we want to see it. Why don't you add more shows or why don't you put it in a bigger theater? Fortunately, some of that stuff is out of our hands. But the appetite is there for it. So makes me happy as a movie fan but also as a wrestling fan because people are just into this story and they want to know more about it now does that mean they're going to seek out more wrestling i don't think so but at least they'll be more aware of it maybe they'll have a little bit more respect for it because like i said this movie does a tremendous job of showing the wrestling world respect and not really putting that stigma that mostly everybody has on it kind of like opens up a new avenue so i think this is good for the mainstream audience and it's released by a24 and usually they do a lot of more weird, like, trippy movies, kind of like th- head scratchers and thinkers and stuff that, you know, is different from what you see above the surface. So they're they're branching out and doing more kind of bigger mainstream movies. And I think this is a, a good first step, like doing like a wrestling biopic. Um, it works. So, again, the performances are great. The story's told well. It's I don't think it's given full justice because there's so much story and so much to go into. But I think, you know, for what they did, hell of a job. Probably best wrestling movie ever. I have to revisit The Wrestler with uh, Mickey Rourke. But uh, I think that one's more that one's more about character than a story. But here, this is just a well-fleshed-out movie from beginning, middle, and end. And it's really well done. 
might take a minute before I see it again just because of the the material and it kind of re- it resonates because I live and watch this stuff every day so uh, wrestling never leaves my <laughs> my eyes so I, I kind of want to take a minute away from this movie and revisit it again hopefully it gets released on physical media that's been another big story of the end of 2023 you know Best Buy getting rid of their home video department and you know trying to find different avenues to actually collect the physical movies themselves you know it was even hard to get Oppenheimer which was selling out across the nation which was a good thing but a lot of stores don't really carry that many copies anymore of anything so hopefully this one gets released because I will definitely add it to the collection not just because it was a wrestling movie but it was a well-made wrestling movie so that's the Iron Claw go check it out it's in theaters now I highly recommend it did it make my top 10? Nope, but a really, really good movie. Three stars out of four. Uh, that's going to do it for the review. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about the things I liked about Monday Night Raw and AEW Dynamite as we start off the new year. And we're on the road to the Royal Rumble. We'll be back. The SmackDown Women's Division is attacking Monday Night Raw. Lift your head a little higher Burning red with desire Wash your hands where you touch It's getting hot, dangerous Playing with fire this reason Nia and I have kept missing each other I went on to main event Wrestlemania she went on to get double ACL surgery then I had a child she got fired but now it's 2023 I'm here she's here well I'm not fired anymore Becky And you know, that punch, that was a lucky swing that almost ended your career. Imagine if I punch you with my full force. You wouldn't even get up. This will happen on my terms. And after I break your face, Becky, and you're laid up in the hospital with your little daughter, she's going to be crying saying, Mommy, why are you uglier than usual? Jack's making this extremely personal. And a cheap shot from behind. You need this a lot more than I do. You need me. You need to prove to everyone here that you're just not about that one moment. It is about what that night represents, about what the man represents. You say I'm a main event star because of you. I'll always be the woman who made the man. That is a lie I need to end, and if I can't end that lie, then I need to end you.
welcome back to the show, and let's not waste any time. The new wrestling year is in effect. WWE kicked us off on Monday Night Raw, their first show since before Christmas, so they were given the holidays off, um, the big the big ones, of course, and they were actually given time to spend with their families, which usually isn't the case. They're always working nonstop, but Triple H, this is a new era, and he wants to make sure that family time is important for the wrestlers, uh, makes them happier, and they give us better performances, and they're not, uh, you know, worked to death. So that's a good thing. So this was their first show. Uh, they titled it Day One, um, kind of going the route of what AEW does, and they kind of specialty moniker these shows. It, it's just an episode of Monday Night Raw, but they title it to kind of make it like feel like a pay-per-view, but not quite. Um, as you heard there in the video package, one of the big matches advertised, and it was a big build-up to it, was Becky Lynch versus Nia Jax. Now, you can say whatever you want about Nia Jax. She's not my cup of tea or anything like that. She's I think she's all right. She's okay on the mic and then whatever as a wrestler. Um, I don't particularly like her just because she has been a little too stiff at times, and that's kind of what plays into the story here with Becky Lynch uh, going back to, I believe it was 2018 when she broke her face for real. Uh, Nia Jax did uh, wreck Becky Lynch's nose, but it was in one of the most iconic moments of her career, which kind of catapulted her to like cult status kind of like stone cold when he he bled out at wrestlemania 13 in the sharpshooter with bret hart you know kind of like that kind of iconic image so she got super famous off of that and obviously becky lynch has gone on to become one of the biggest stars that wwe has male or female like there was even a time where she was you know doing better than all the men and that's saying something in a male dominated you know entertainment business of pro wrestling so this thing has been building in the years and that again i won't go into more of the specifics that video package did it all now as for the match itself it was a standout it was really good this was probably the best match of nia Jax's career and that's because of becky lynch and you know everybody talks about charlotte flair being like the greatest of all time and all of her tremendous matches and i give her all of that she has amazing matches but to me, Becky Lynch is sort of, it's the whole package to me of what being a pure, true, like, professional wrestler is all about. Can you wrestle? Can she wrestle? Yes. Does she have a character? Yes. Can she talk? Yes. Does she have the charisma? Yes. She she checks all the boxes of what a pro wrestler should be. But also, she's good at elevating other talent to make them, like, feel as big. And she just had a run on NXT, which is kind of like the third brand, like still kind of developmental. They don't really want you to call it that, but it is still developmental for like the next generation. And she just did a stint down there from like late September to like early November where she was down there working with a lot of the talent and she was even the NXT women's champion. So she was doing all these different types of matchups with all the young talent there and she elevated everybody on there. So she makes them feel important, and I think that's good. That's a good trait to have as a as a wrestler, is to not only make yourself a star, but in the process build up others because then that just helps everybody out as a whole. So that's one of her best traits, more than anything, that I'll give her props for is that she can elevate people, and boy does she elevate Nia Jax in this episode of Raw because she got the victory, which is rare on Becky. You know, if you pin her, it's a big deal. So obviously. 
Becky was wanting to do the honors and elevate Nia Jax, and that makes her a huge monster heel going into the Women's Royal Rumble coming up in a few weeks. So she'll be heavily favored, and I think we all know what that's probably going to lead to if you want to talk my my theories on what's going to happen to the Royal Rumble. Or I might save it. You know, we still got a couple of weeks, so I'll, I'll flesh out my theory in a future episode. But as far as this, you know, this match was entertaining. Crowd was into it. It was it was great. Uh, is it going to be a match of the year contender? No, but a highly effective way to start off WWE on the right track. Because like I said, they've been on the biggest hot streak with crowds, revenue. They're just on the up and up. And they keep getting, you know, stars uh, that, that were there in the past to come back. CM Punk being the biggest one uh, up until we talk the other person right now just a little bit. So that was a good opener. Uh, Nijax got the win and even busted up Becky again, which turns out, as I read reports from like Fightful and Sean Ross Sapp, I do follow everybody there and I'll give them their credit uh, whenever they break stuff. I won't try to leech off, the, off of their scoops or stories as my own. But they reported that Becky Lynch was actually busted up for real. So in the end of that matchup, Becky has Nia in the middle of the ropes, like hanging, kind of like she's going to leg drop her from the top rope. And when she does it, Nia straight up punches her in the face and like knocks her out. And that's how she gets the pin. She does like the, the Yokozuna, like jump from the top rope and like just smashes her with all of her body weight. But then you see Becky Lynch after the match and she's all bloodied up on the mouth. And for the most part, usually in wrestling, it's theater. So. Yes, there is real blood, but for the most part, it's probably capsules and stuff like that because she was bleeding from the mouth. So everybody assumed it was just a capsulate. Um, but it turns out she actually busted her up for real again. But it was reported that Becky Lynch was in good spirits and all that after the match. So anyway, two things happened here. It was one, Becky elevated another talent. And two, it makes Nia Jax a, a formidable threat. And that's what you want, right? You don't want your... Your baby face, your top baby face, always winning all the time. You gotta give him hurdles. So right now that's the hurdle going for Becky Lynch into this Royal Rumble, which I was on, uh, X a few moments ago and I saw that WWE is doing like a, a preview special right now on Peacock. So something that came out of that was Becky Lynch after that match with Nia on Monday declaring for the Royal Rumble and she's got that hurdle. So there's that matchup. There's going to be. All these different stories going into that rumble, and that's probably going to be the main one. Because I think Becky Lynch has been on such a hot run. And I think what they're building to is probably Becky and Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania for the women's world title. I think that's the money match. And at the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania, you got to go with the, the biggest match. So I think that's the direction they're going to go. So, But to get there... Becky's going to have to overcome Nia Jax. And that just makes for great television and great drama building up. So great job to all the women involved in that. Good stuff. Uh, the other thing happening on Raw right now is uh, there's only two people f- from the men's side that have declared for the Royal Rumble. And that's CM Punk and Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes right now is in a storyline with Shinsuke Nakamura, who's been uh, he had been giving hints about coming after somebody and wanting a challenge and wanting to fight somebody. And it turns out Shinsuke was targeting Cody Rhodes. We all thought it was CM Punk, but he actually just returned like normal. And anyway, Cody's been in this storyline with him for a few weeks now. And it's been going on and going on. And everyone's start, starting to kind of wonder, like, what's the direction Cody Rhodes is is, is going to take as we head into Royal Rumble and WrestleMania? 
And we'll get into why people are questioning this because another big thing happened on the show. But Cody and Shinsuke continue their their feud and these vignettes that Shinsuke is doing with Cody and it's kind of looking very artsy, cartoonish, you know, samurai type style comic book. They've been doing a really good job building it up, kind of like as an in-between feud. So WWE's in the past has had feuds like this and has made like the other one look weaker while the babyface is strong. But here it's kind of been back and forth. So Triple H is booking this right. I like it. The blow-off match is going to be next week on Raw. So we'll see if that will finally put a nail in it and Cody can finally put his full focus into the Royal Rumble. Or who knows? They may even spill it all the way into the Rumble. So who knows what they're going to do. Uh, uh, we don't know what to expect in the Triple H era. Like It's good stuff, but it also keeps us on our heels and uh, pun intended, and uh, just keeps us guessing. And that's what we like. We don't want everything to be too predictable. Predictability is good in wrestling, but it's good every once in a while to keep us like guessing. And that leads us to the other big thing that happened on Monday Night Raw. Now, for me, it's whatever. I'm over it, the nostalgia of him, the all of that. Like He's just worn me thin. Ladies and gentlemen, The Rock returned to Monday Night Raw. So over the weekend... There was a report put out by Sean Ross App of Fightful.com that a former WWE champion was going to be at Raw and somebody that wasn't contracted or somebody that not on the regular. So, of course, speculation began. You know, people started saying all these different names, you know, Austin, Rock was even in there, whoever, whatever. Um, then Triple H put out a tweet himself or a post, whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, kind of like confirming, not confirming that rumor that Sean Ross Sapp reported on. So even put even more speculation as to who it's going to be. So anyways, we get to that segment and they're going to re- reveal who it was. It's coming back to Monday Night Raw and Jinder Mahal comes out and it's not, it's not false advertising. It's not a lie. He's a former WWE champion. Of course, the crowd boos the hell out of this. They're all like, they get the life sucked out of them. Jinder Mahal is going on and on typical, like, heel uh promo dissing the crowd dissing the country whatever um i think that doesn't work in 2023 but you know it's still wwe and uh about halfway through this promo and i knew it was a swerve i knew it was coming like this is not gonna be this is not vince mcmahon's wwe anymore where he's gonna let the audience down they're gonna give the audience what they want not all the time but in the right moments and then of course the rock's music hits Crowd goes insane, big pop. Rock does his same shtick, which would have worked on me like maybe 10 years ago. But to me, it's just like the same old thing. But the crowd eats it up. They love it. So I, I, I'm i not going to knock that. People like what they're going to like. But what was the interesting thing that came out of that promo? After he was done with Jinder Mahal, he beat his ass, all that stuff. He gets the mic and he says, you know, Rock is happy to be back. It's nice to play with the crowd and all that stuff but he said he's in san diego he's gonna go out to get something to eat and he asked the crowd what should i do should i should i sit at a booth should i sit at the bar rock loves the bar or should i sit at the head of the table mic drop that can only mean one reference and if you don't know what i'm talking about he's talking about roman reigns and one of the dream matches final one of the last few dream matches left is Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Now, how Cody fits into all this, I don't know. To me, I think Rock and Roman doesn't work anymore, especially with the story they've been telling and the way they've built up Cody Rhodes. And, you know, they built 
the fan base back up because of him. Him coming over from AEW was huge. And he came over when Vince McMahon was still running things. And Vince McMahon pushed him hard. Uh, he faced Roman at WrestleMania last year, didn't win. But still, they built up Cody through this whole road. And now, like, The Rock gets injected back into this. And it's like, oh. and I'm not going to, like, get so upset over Like, this is ridiculous. But I really hope that they stick with Cody uh, getting back his rematch for the Undisputed Universal Championship. And hopefully against Roman Reigns. Because that's the way they've been building it. And I think it would be a disservice from Triple H, and especially he's been doing such a good job in bringing back the audience and not toying with them and not messing with us. And, you know, whatever stories he wants to tell, it's his doing. But also, you've been teasing it also. So Cody finishing the story, the face-off with Roman Reigns like a month or two ago. Like, there's seeds there. And now for The Rock to just come in, would it draw money? Absolutely. Would it get worldwide coverage on the news outlets, the entertainment outlets, sports outlets, everywhere outside of the WWE bubble? Absolutely. It's a huge WrestleMania match. I just think it doesn't work now because of the story you're telling. Now, if you want to do that match without the belt, that's fine. But I think the story that you have to tell, at least just from my, my opinion, my perspective, is Cody getting to that championship and winning it. Now, I don't think it has to necessarily be off Roman. It could be off whoever. Now, there's stuff going to happen on SmackDown this week, and I'll plug that at the end. So it, with The Rock returning, it just kind of makes you wonder, like, where they're going to go with this thing. Who knows? we got a long way to go, but I just don't like it. I just got an, a weird feeling, but we'll see. Uh, that was the main stuff out of Monday Night Raw. Seth Rollins defended the title against Drew McIntyre, but... I don't think Rollins is going to drop that title because the story they're telling is the eventual collision between him and CM Punk at WrestleMania. So nothing big there. But although I am interested to see where Drew McIntyre goes from here. I know his contract's coming up around WrestleMania time. We'll see if he's even going to have a storyline going in. I know on his Twitter account or X account, he made it seem like he doesn't know what he's going to do. So I don't know, it could be storyline reason. It could be for real. Who knows? That's the beauty of wrestling. Uh, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. They just came off their pay-per-view, World's End, um, last Saturday night. The big story was MJF losing the AEW World title to Samoa Joe, which I don't hate. Uh, I think MJF's title reign kind of took a little bit of a hit in the latter part of it. He's been a champion for over a year now, but a lot of the main focus has kind of been on this devil storyline, which also wrapped up. And for those of you that don't know, the Devil storyline was, I think he popped up around a little after August. And it was around the time Adam Cole, who's who was MJF's friend, uh, were dealing with this character that was coming after him and and the what seemed like the world title. And he was attacking all these different associates, either related to or just in conjunction with MJF and everything that was going on. So anyways, he loses the title. And all that stuff. And then uh, Adam Cole was at ringside with him. I didn't see the pay-per-view, so I just saw the highlights on YouTube. And lights go out. The henchmen are going to go after Adam Cole. But then when the lights come back on, turns out Adam Cole reveals himself to be the devil. And the henchmen were Roderick Strong and uh, Matthew Taven and uh, Mike Bennett and Wardlow. All people that have stuff against MJF. 
They all team up on him. They beat the shit out of him. And that's the end of MJF for now. In storyline, that's the end of him now. But also, in real life, his contract is coming up. Or it's supposedly over already. And the thing that MJF has been teasing for years is the bidding war of 2024. And he said he was going to test out free agency. Now, with the way things have been going recently and MJF being like such a focal part of the company, basically the face, um, a lot of people have been led to believe that he's already re-signed with the company. Um, I, I'm, I'm about like 70% that's the case. But there's a 30% chance that I think there's a possibility he could end up becoming a real free agent and see who offers him more money. Can WWE do it, match it? For sure. How much do they want to offer him? I don't know. I don't really don't know WWE's interest in him. I know it's there, and I've tried asking, you know, Dave Meltzer. I should probably try to ask Sean Ross Sapp how much the interest is there for MJF from WWE's side. Um, would he be a great asset for them? Absolutely. I think MJF would benefit greatly from the WWE machine. But I also think what he's doing in AEW and becoming like a huge baby face, um, even though some of it's kind of been cringy towards the end, I've enjoyed it all. I mean, I like I like MJF. He he grew on me. There was a while where I was like, oh man, he's doing like the same shtick, but his promos are good. His wrestling is fantastic. He was in my top match of the year with Brian Danielson in that Iron Man match at Revolution for the world title. So he can do. He's another one of those like he's the full package. He's got the character. He can talk. Um, he's got charisma, and then of course he can wrestle. So he he checks all the boxes. So. And he's done it on a stage where I think I think he's accomplished all that he could accomplish in AEW. The next thing for him would probably just be to elevate others. Um, but I think if he wants to do stuff on a grand scale and be like the biggest name, it, it just all depends on what he wants with his career. Does he want to propel himself or does he want to help like be a team player and continue to help build AEW and hopefully get into like, you can't say it's going to match WWE because they're just on another stratosphere. But can they get AEW to that very, very top level where they, they get a good TV deal and all that stuff and they end up on a huge network? You know, I'm talking that kind of thing. It, it all depends on what he wants. Because if he goes to WWE, the sky's the limit. He can get even bigger. And I think he would get even more exposure and become a bigger name. It's going to be interesting. So I think right now I'm 70% he's re-signed. But there's that 30% where, like, I could see him becoming a free agent for real. Like, and they removed him off AEW.com. I think he's no longer listed. So, and I know that could easily be, easily be done for storyline purposes, but that's the thing about wrestling is that there's always that area of gray. Like, is this real? Is it not? What's going on? And that's the beauty of it. So that was, that was the big news coming out of World's End is MJF dropping the title. And of course, Adam Cole revealing to be the devil, which, Storyline wise, it makes sense, and it was all—it was the predictable pick. But again, like I said, predictability in wrestling is good uh, when you have to do it, and this was built up pretty nicely. Even though I got worn out by the devil storyline by the end of it, it's like let's wrap this baby up already. Let's go, because um, I, I think it went—it went long, it went a little bit too long. All right, um, so. Yeah, the same spiel from Adam Cole on this week's Dynamite, why he turned on MJF, and it was it was all by the number stuff, nothing really spectacular. Uh the big stuff on Dynamite, which I have been waiting forever for, is the debut wrestling wise of Mariah May. Now she showed up on AEW television 
uh, about a month and a half or maybe two months ago. Might have been short. Uh, either way, I, I've been watching this girl a lot, uh, mostly through like Twitter and, and Instagram. She's from Stardom, but I really like her wrestling style, hard hitting. Um, and of course, that's how everybody works in Stardom. It's just this hard hitting Japanese style. Uh, gorgeous as hell. Super young. Uh, She's got charisma, the character. Uh, right now, she's playing the the obsessive fan, kind of like Mickey James to Trish Stratus, and she's playing that to Tony Storm, who's the current AEW Women's Champion. So she's playing kind of like sidebar to her, but this was her like first real shot to be like in the spotlight, and boy, does she deliver in her first match! Hard hitting, crowd was into it, and again, I'm 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 a huge component of women for like just cheerleader for for women's wrestling it's just been on the uptick for the last like five six years um and i think if everything goes right with people like mariah may coming in and we saw the debut of diana Perazzo from impact and thunder rosa coming back uh Britt baker jamie Hayter on the bench waiting to come back this could be the strongest year for aid for the AEW women's division which i've given a lot of criticism to they have not devoted enough time but over the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing some, you know, people kind of raise their game. Julia Hart, Sky Blue, Chris Statlander. We're seeing them get a little bit more time on television. So they're kind of starting to form and come into their own. Uh, Athena and Ring of Honor, hopefully they bring her to AEW at some point. So this could be the strongest the AEW women's division has been uh, from a roster standpoint. Now it's up to Tony Khan, the owner and CEO to actually write good storylines and good booking and give them television time, not just one match a show. And they have two television shows, just like a Raw and a SmackDown, to devote time to the women's wrestling. So this is a good chance for Tony Khan to really, because I think WWE's women's division, it's good, but it also hasn't been as strong. It could be stronger. It could be better. The one who's booking the women's division really well is Shawn Michaels in NXT. Like, he devotes so much time to the women on that show. So it's it's almost like 50-50. You know, there's just as many women's matches as there are men's and just as much screen time. And, and I'm not talking just wrestling, but there's promos and vignettes and all this stuff involving the women. So for my money, he's doing the best job of it right now. Triple H was the best at it when he was running NXT. And I think he could be doing just a little bit better on the main, on the main side of things with Raw and SmackDown. But Tony Khan has the opportunity here, and he's got the women on the roster to really make this a standout year for the AEW women's division. And there's another free agent out there who we don't know where she's going to end up. There's been talks with AEW. There's been talks with WWE. And that's Mercedes Monet, also known as, to most fans, is Sasha Banks. Who Whoever gets her, is gonna it's going to be a huge deal. And going by the way the AEW television's been going and more kind of a little bit more better focus on the women, not as much time yet, but better focus, it kind of looks like Mercedes Monet is going to end up in AEW. And if she does, that just levels the playing field as far as like for the women versus the women on AEW versus WWE. And Tony Khan, all he needs to do is just give them time and let them just showcase because... The talent on the AEW women's side is just going to get super huge with Mariah May. And then, of course, if they land Mercedes Monet, forget it. Like, that's that's going to be on a whole other level. So 
And that's good. It's good competition. It's going to bring out the best in everybody. Everybody in WWE, the women's side, they're going to want more time. I mean, they get their time, but they're going to want even more time. They say, look, look what they're look look what they're doing on AEW. So that was a huge standout for me on Dynamite. Everything else, eh. And like I said on this show, I'm going to cover the things that I like. So you know, I love Becky Lynch. I love Cody Rhodes. I love Mariah May. So it's going to be. I'm going to be focusing on the wrestlers. That I do like. I mentioned The Rock because that's a huge story either way. Even though he's not my cup of tea anymore. But I'll still mention the big stuff. But I'm mostly going to be covering the stuff that I like to watch. Because yes I watch wrestling all the time. But it's not like I'm watching everything. You know Ross 3 hours. Dynamite's 2 hours. Collision is 2 hours. Smackdown 2 hours. I'm not watching 9 hours of wrestling every week. Well probably when you add all the classics I'm watching. But I'm, always, I'm only taking bits and pieces that I'm watching of Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, and Collision. I don't watch everything, but for the most part, I can catch up on Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff. That's how I'm able to keep up with everything. But for the women that I like to watch, the men that I like to watch, like I'll keep focus on them. And I'll showcase them for you on this show. And that's uh, Raw and uh, Dynamite for this week. Uh, we still got SmackDown and Collision upcoming. That'll be this weekend. Again, the road to Royal Rumble continues. SmackDown has a, a themed episode as well as WWE is doing like this whole theme this whole week. Knockouts week is what they're calling it. So Raw had their episode titled Day One. SmackDown will have their episode titled New Year's Revolution, which used to be an actual pay-per-view. So again, they want to make you think it's a pay-per-view style show, but it's on television for free. And there's a big match upcoming this week. AJ Styles, Randy Orton, LA Knight, triple threat match. The winner faces Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble. So, interested to see what happens there. The way the story's been told, I'm kind of hoping for a four-way because all these guys deserve a shot. But uh, I would hate to see LA, LA Knight lose again. And then, uh, I think AJ Styles, when he's given the right material, he can really cook. And I still think he's one of the best wrestlers in all of wrestling. So... I want him involved. So I know people are thinking Randy Orton's going to win and it's just going to be a one-on-one. But hopefully it turns into a fatal four because I think that would be a little bit more fun. Um, but then, of course, the the big elephant in the room is The Rock and how does that play into it. So a lot of interesting stuff. And, again, we're barely on the road. We've just scratched the surface uh, as far as, like, heading into Royal Rumble WrestleMania season. So a lot of good stuff to come. Next week on Rossi and Punk returns. He wasn't on this week's episode, so we'll see. He's kind of like still been on the outside of these few appearances. He's interacted with some people, and of course Seth Rollins, but kind of want to see him get fully integrated now. So next week, I don't just want to see a promo from him. I want to see him evolve throughout the show and just really get in the mix and see if he's going to have like a wrestling match even before the Royal Rumble because we know he's going to be in it, but we haven't seen him wrestle yet, only on the house shows that they've done, and there's footage of that online. You can search it, but... Um, other than that, we haven't seen him wrestle on TV yet, so it's been a it's been a hot minute. So let's see what happens there. Anyways, I'll be back later uh, this weekend to recap SmackDown and Collision. Some fun stuff on Collision this weekend. House of Black, Malachi Black, and uh, I think it's Buddy Matthews. I forget Buddy Matthews, Buddy Murphy. Either way, House of Black versus FTR, my favorite tag team, should be a good match. That could be an early qualifier for match of the year and uh, we'll see what else uh tony Khan cooks up for on collision you probably won't find out till friday on rampage 
I think I'll include Rampage in my recap, even though Rampage has kind of been delegated to like the third show on uh, AEW. There's sometimes there's good stuff on there, but for the most part, it's it's the uh, lower to mid card tier level wrestlers on that show. Every once in a while, you'll get a Brian Danielson will come out or you know whoever, but yeah, it's gonna be a fun road. It's gonna be a fun podcast going forward doing professional wrestling again i could talk hours on end and i hope to bring on guests whenever you know shows like wrestlemania pop up brandon mclaughlin's good at coming on those shows and talking about that with me Ryder rodriguez also been a guest in the past but also open to talking with anybody who wants to talk pro wrestling and again i'm not strained completely away from movies and tv and anything pop culture related but i just think for 2024 it's going to be a weird year calendars pushed to the far end the tail end is when we're really going to start to get stuff. So this first half, even at work, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the titles aren't as strong and there's not as many of them. So we'll see how it goes, but I think this is the right direction for this podcast to solely focus on wrestling because it is there 365 days a year, and I'm always into it. I love it. So you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I feed it out through podbean.com. You can listen through there. Uh, I, I appreciate all the subscriptions and listens and downloads. Uh, did almost we're almost at eight thousand for the entire run of this podcast series, and that's including the spinoff of the Two Minute Drive podcast. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I, I appreciate it so much. Even just to get five people to listen to this show would be a huge success to me because uh, hey, it's better than zero. But I, I'm I'm thrilled with doing this show. I'm happy to do it, and I will continue to do it. We're nearing the end of football, so again, check out the Two Minute Drive podcast. Uh, we'll be coming back next week to talk wild card. I got a special guest in mind. He's booked. He's ready to go. We're excited. Uh, Jake and Abraham, uh, giving them a shout out as well. They've been doing a great job on the podcast with me, helping me do the football stuff. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, that'll do it for this week. I'll be back later this weekend to cover everything that I just talked about. So take care. God bless you.